Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Special Saturday night edition of the Dunk Up Basketball Podcast. No game Thursday. Pretty much no game Friday. And now a little bit more competitive, this Golden State-San Antonio game. We also got some other goodies coming up with our reaction to the All-NBA teams. And then a look at Florida State freshman combo forward Jonathan Isaac for our draft preview series as what we previously did Jason Tatum earlier in the week going to try to get to Josh Jackson pretty soon here as well for you we're sponsored today by Bespoke Post try the post.com slash cap space or you can use the cap space code at checkout and get 20 percent off your first box i will tell you more about them momentarily Danny, why don't we actually start with news here because these games were both rather uninteresting and of course the place to start is maybe part of why the game was so uninteresting although you imagine nothing could have stopped cleveland in those first two games anyway isaiah thomas is done for the season are you did you set it up that way so I have to read what what the injury is? Uh no, right. I could do it. He well basically he's got a, a labral tear in his hip, which is something we've seen from Gerald Henderson. He's had two hip surgeries. Wilson Chandler's had two hip surgeries. Lamarcus Aldridge has had two hip surgeries. Just like you have uh your labrum in your shoulder, you have it also in your hip. It's another ball and socket joint. And so you have to imagine that surgery will be coming for Thomas. He initially injured it according to the Celtics on March 15th against Minnesota, missed two games. And then he aggravated even further during game six against Washington, a, a game where he played very well down the stretch until he had a couple of turnovers. And then obviously had a heroic performance in game seven along with Kelly Olenek to get them to this point. But you and I were noting on the Twitter NBA show that he just did not have any kind of explosion. I mean, he was trying to drive by Darren Williams, just like couldn't get past him, like couldn't do anything against Kyrie Irving. Who, uh, and he shot a combined one of 14 in the two first halves the only competitive portions of those games so it seemed clear that he was not quite himself absolutely and it's certainly disappointing even though it feels like boston's playoff run is almost over anyway it's just a formality just because isaiah had such a fabulous year and the timing of this you know just in terms of everything that's going on with boston they have such a challenging fascinating offseason with everything now that they got the number one yeah, pick like 27 and gms would love to have that kind of a challenging offseason right. i'm guessing of course but i mean they're also sky high expectations and everything like that so they they and isaiah factors into it in a couple different ways i mean you could see him just you know the, rolling it back with him and, and maybe just kind of holding pat for another year but one of the other options was to try to move on from him and that changes now not only because he's you know he, he might have to have surgery but because you wonder if the wonderful season he had and he I, I don't want to lose sight of what he did this year. 
year that it really was hard, that it will be hard for him to repeat even more so than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, with him getting up into his late 20s now. I mean, the three-point shooting that he showed this year, maybe if that's real, he can still approach somewhat close to this level next year. But you have to imagine, especially if he does have surgery, and that hasn't been announced yet, by the way, maybe this is something that still can be managed without surgery. But if he can get back and be healthy by next year, you still think that, especially with the decline in athleticism that everyone experiences in their late 20s, that his finishing at the rim that made him so special, that actually has been on the decline since his Sacramento days even, uh, may take it more of a nosedive. And he certainly, uh, with this injury, saw quite a decline there in his ability to get to the basket late in, the, in uh, this postseason run. Well, and it's finishing at the rim, but it's also getting to the free throw line. His free throw attempt sure. rate was was 44.1 this year. That's really high for, for a lot of guys, but especially for a point guard. And so those things run together. If you lose, if he can lose two of the kind of pillars of his efficient scoring offense, or at least just a reduction in them, it makes it harder for everything else to work. In related news, Thomas said that he has been in touch with Markel Fultz. Both of them went to Washington, of course. Fultz has said that he really wants to play with Isaiah Thomas. Those guys saying the right things at this point, obviously, if Fultz comes in. I mean, I don't think it's going to really affect Isaiah that much as far as what kind of a season he'll have next year, because Fultz is just kind of not really going to be ready yet. And, you know, it is possible that we if Fultz plays really well and the Celtics still, you know, don't sign Gordon Hayward and they're not really, it's clear that the Celtics are not really in contention as far as like really competing with Cleveland next year, that maybe we could see them even move on from Avery Bradley and Thomas at the trade deadline as they really hit the reset button into this new era, you know, with Jalen Brown, Fultz and some of the younger guys. But that's a a long way off still. We're still speculating there. Uh, Anything else we should say about uh, that massacre on Friday night in which uh, we turned off the Twitter NBA show in the first half this will probably be the only time we ever do that as Boston trailed by 40 points when Kevin Love hit a three we had agreed that if it got to 40 in the first half we were going to turn it off and, and we in fact did as as was seen in uh, a somewhat comical fashion on uh, the end of our dunked on video uh, highlights as it were yeah so for me while Cleveland's offense was impressive they did a great job in game one as well the thing that I spent spent the most time focusing on in that just evisceration was LeBron James as a help defender, most notably, but as a defender overall, did an absolutely fabulous job. Yeah, I think he probably had four or five stops at the rim in both of those first halves Boston shot I want to say under 40 percent in the restricted area in the first two first halves of this series I think there are six out of 17 in game two which obviously is not very good I mean they were getting there 17 shots and a half that's great but LeBron was just intimidating everyone and they don't really have guys with the juice off the dribble to finish even when LeBron is in there Tristan Thompson did an okay job as well we'll see whether they can still be this effective against Golden State specifically against Kevin Durant uh and that really seems to be the only question that remains uh, with Thomas out now though just out of curiosity like what would your starting lineup be for the Celtics going into game three I would start Terry Rozier because I want to see how he does defensively in this matchup I mean it's a good little stress test for him just to see how it goes you're not going into this with expectations so just try it out be ready to move away to somebody like Marcus Smart if it doesn't work but I think that's the right place to to at least begin this journey yeah and I'd like to see Jalen Braun get more time too and and because they're really going to have no offensive engine now I'd like to see them actually just put the ball in Jalen Braun's hands really I mean unfair to him that the first time that's 
going to happen is in the conference finals but see if he can run a pick and roll see if he can actually like post guys up and and do an iso against mismatches try to get Kyrie on him put him down in the post see what happens I mean it's not going to work but at least you get a chance to see whether he these flashes that he's shown as really the only Celtic who could do anything getting to the basket actually will continue and give him a good stepping stone for next season in other news my old boss at basketball insider Steve Kyler reporting that a 20 million dollar a year deal for Serge Ibaka seems to be done that that is the expectation around the league that that deal would get done and 20 million seems about fair for Ibaka's contribution certainly had a disappointing playoffs offensively I thought defensively actually played well especially in that Buck series Masai Ujiri saying that he sees him as more of a center which will be interesting for Jonas Valanciunas in that case who still is under contract there for a while longer making over 15 million a year but the question then as you always say is years not dollars if that's a three-year 20 million dollar deal i think i'm cool with it that fourth year could get really ugly and then the other issue is what does that mean for the potential return of kyle lowry i mean you'd think that the first thought there is that he's gonna ibaka would resign but this ibaka could also be another nene test guy from the man who uh spawned the term back with uh nene signing him after the lockout in denver so maybe Maybe that's another thought is just hey we're not gonna let this guy get away and considering the rock the raptors have so few ways to improve their team that can make some sense again it gets into the years not dollars idea and this was always in the back of my mind because i had heard for at various points in time that ujiri and abaka had a relationship because of basketball without borders and numerous other things that that existed long before he was a member of the raptors and so you know maybe he was open more open to signing there or something like that and and Toronto was in this situation where they needed to get a sense with him because their offseason would look very different if he just left without compensation. Keller did do a little CYA in saying that it's possible he could get a better offer than this Toronto offer, but that he gave his personal opinion that that seems unlikely. Executive news, some intrigue here with Woj reporting that Dan Gilbert, some expect him to basically cheap out on David Griffin because they've had success there with numerous general managers. I should as hell wouldn't do that i think dave griffin has done an awesome job and a much better one than his predecessor chris grant that's for sure and probably a better one than his predecessor danny ferry as well so uh but you know maybe this is where dan gilbert's going to decide that all this luxury tax stuff uh, he's going to try and save money on executives we'll see what lebron james has to say about that as well but that's there's still talk about orlando and atlanta having interest in griffin as well we have heard very little in terms of leaks out of Orlando of what's going to happen with them they currently have Matt Lloyd former Bulls scout and assistant GM as their interim right now and and he's basically running their draft stuff maybe they are waiting around for David Griffin and then you know they'll give if that doesn't work then maybe they'll just let Lloyd handle the ship he's still supposed to be a, a candidate but the silence out of Orlando in market contrast to what we've seen coming out of Atlanta where they have apparently asked for permission to interview interview every single person under the sun and it is leaked that they have asked for permission to interview every single person under the sun they are going the exhaustive route and we'll have to see what kind of power this person is going to have my my questions with a front office is really who has final say and then who is a voice in the room and if they certainly this person would be a voice in the room but there are going to be a lot of them because wes wilcox is still technically in the organization oh uh, yes Mike yes Bo- wes wilcox a now is a special 
advisor to the owner who didn't want him to retain as GM. So, so is that is that the equivalent of Brian Scalabrini when he when when Mark Jackson couldn't fire him and just basically make send him to the D League? I mean, well, so over under how long before Wilcox actually leaves the organization? I mean, it's gonna happen by the end of this year, right? Like, you would have to imagine. Depends um, on his contract. Yeah, I guess so. And you know, maybe the, it's not like anyone we've heard anyone else is clamoring to hire him yet so maybe it, it behooves him to, to stick around a little bit but Woj had a story that they asked for permission to talk to Neil O'Shea in Portland their GM Portland denied that and that you know Atlanta even was willing to potentially give some compensation there uh Tommy Shepard Wizards assistant GM has been talked about they've asked for permission to interview Mark Hughes a player personnel for the Knicks and there's like even a couple more people I'm I'm forgetting about. Travis Troy Schlank. Weaver was discussed earlier. Oh yeah, Travis Schlank, uh, assistant GM with the Warriors. And so we have no idea where this is going. And right now, it sounds like assistant GM Jeff Peterson is doing most of, of running the draft. And they have a, a capable staff, obviously, outside of Wes Wilcox. But it'd be very interesting. I understand why they'd want to be moving quickly here, but they're still kind of waiting on Griffin as well. So probably enough on, on that at all. Um, let's talk about this uh, Warriors-Spurs game. Golden state looked well they looked good in the first like five minutes or so when javel was in and then they just fell off offensively and defensively some just truly horrible transition d from them but then they ended up making their way back largely through a big third quarter from kevin durant durant had 19 points in the third quarter alone as the warriors ended up they they outscored them in the quarter and took a more stable lead and i thought katie was kind he was a little bit passive or just we wasn't that noticeable in the the first half he had some nice moments but then in that third quarter he took over yeah and with their egalitarian system that can happen but i mean he was scoring every which way at one point scored 17 straight points for the warriors he had a couple of sweet back doors from david west uh, a couple of threes after he drove the lane and got a switch on Pau gasol and then ran out to the corner and, and got a three hit a three over Manu ginobili i mean they, you saw how limited the spurs were at this point they had Manu ginobili 39 years old trying to guard kd and ginobili was unbelievable himself he had two ridiculous highlights he nutmegged david west who probably finished over him at the rim like three or four more times as well uh he was spectacular but the spurs their offense actually was pretty good throughout most of the game but they got enough minutes out of out of the green at center units which really were ended up winning this game I and mean, they were actually up 12 late in the second quarter after going to green at center and then they took out green and curry to avoid getting them their fourth fouls and the spurs were able to come back a little bit until david west hit a corner three to put him up by nine and the spurs i think got back within like three or something but it, it was all but over uh i think the warriors led by like 15 or 18 or something at the end of the third quarter one of the other disappointing developments of this game is that early on david lee was doing a nice job including getting some catharsis scoring on former eventual supplanter draymond green which was impressive for david lee and then he landed landed awkwardly on a finish on an and one actually and af- and he w- he was removed from the game. He couldn't even shoot the free throw on the end one. And Michael C. Wright and Ramona Shelburne are reporting that, that the diagnosis is a partially torn patella. He's going to have an MRI on Sunday morning. Yeah, I actually have had that injury and it really sucks <laughs> to feel it, it, it's better than a totally torn patellar tendon when you can't even like have the ability to move your knee at all. But it's it's a really weird feeling when like when I did mine, I could just feel like half of it was torn.
corn and then the uh, like and it was probably actually more like three quarters of it so i'm like trying to bend my knee and there's just like this little string of it that was still attaching and allowing me to bend my knee and it just uh didn't feel very good then i drove home after after i did that <laughs> and by the time i got home it had swelled up to like the size of four softballs and i had to like you know get help to get back inside and then i got an mri the next day and found out what i did but anyway you know so he definitely i'm sure knew it right away that there were major issues and, and you know he had to get wheeled off and it was very upset afterwards it's too bad for him too because i mean it, in what's kind of was a meaningless game he had a wonderful year maybe was set up to get a better contract next year the last guy who had it partially torn patella was yusuf nurkic obviously a much younger player than lee who's 33 right now and nurkic even it took him probably almost a year really to get back from that injury so uh really devastating for david lee uh, sad to hear that from him in, in other injury news which i think is probably the most significant thing of this game which we thought was fait accompli the warriors were going to win it how did andre iguodala look to you in this game he looked slower than usual and it's it's a challenge with iguodala because he's adapted to not being the the physical freak that he was early in his career very well but he w- he looked off to me and a couple of a couple of weird finishes including one where it looked like he landed off uh he kind of went for an ambitious dunk try and it, it kind of he made the shot but the the landing was strange and then he got blown by at least three times i think it might have even been more than that by Dejounte murray and yeah, it was four while, actually while iguodala is not the best defender on fast guys at this point in his career it definitely didn't seem that way but it looks like he's going to get plenty of rest depend even if this series ends up going five he's still going to get plenty of rest he looked quite spry early on and then i've actually he tweaked it last year similarly he's had this left knee patellar tendonitis uh which i'm pretty sure is what the diagnosis is although i don't think we ever really quite got that but that's something that he's had for a while and again because i've had left knee patellar tendonitis i can tell you this that when you try and take off of one foot that's how you can really aggravate that and especially as someone kind of went in underneath him on that layup attempt early on he was very aggressive going to the rim and then he kind of landed awkwardly and we i saw him similarly on a fast break dunk last year off his left foot kind of come down awkwardly and and it's really more about the takeoff than it is the landing sometimes on those plays but so i i think and then he did look kind of hobbled didn't play much more i don't think he scored after that you mentioned his defense was not that great looked like he was kind of going at half speed and it wouldn't shock me actually if he just sits out the next game i, I was surprised he played in this one frankly uh but he did go through two full practices but you know probably didn't try to dunk on anybody in those two full practices so uh we'll see but he'll have i mean what is it going to be the final start on june 1st and they're probably going to win on monday so that's going to be like 10 days worth of rest hopefully that's enough for him yeah i think i think that should be and also this game featured some garbled rotations because of the foul trouble including steph curry getting pulled in the first coming back in the second but he had a nice game overall he had a couple of terrible turnovers five total in the game but thought he was active in passing lanes ended up with six seven deflections and six steals and had a couple of just beautiful beautiful finishes i think that curry's foul trouble is golden state's biggest weakness he some of the games where they melted down like game six obviously uh in cleveland last year it was because he got into foul trouble early and 
against Cleveland. There's no team more likely to get him into foul trouble. Ironically, he stayed in. I don't know that he ever actually even got another foul after getting his third foul with like eight minutes left in the second quarter. And I thought he actually played better defense after that by just like really trying hard not to foul um, because he just commits so many dumb fouls and did, of course, in this game as well to get into foul trouble to begin with. I mean, that's like, that's the thing he can't afford. Like, all right, if you have some bigger guy going at you in the post and he's just steamrolling you over and you commit a foul, all right, I understand committing a foul in that situation, but he goes for all these dumb reach-ins that he has no chance of getting or like tries to get a, an offensive board and will like commit a foul. Like, he, he really just does not have the level of discipline uh, that he probably should have given his position. And, and I understand he's like a great steals guy and a really good health defender, but got to be smarter because that really is one of the few ways I think that they lose a game is because he, I mean, we'll see against Cleveland because they're such a great opponent, but uh, it really puts them behind the eight ball when he gets in early foul trouble like that. I totally agree with you. And one other thing I think we should discuss from this game beyond the Warriors playing well with JaVale McGee, especially in that first quarter, is Davis Bertans was involved in two of the biggest highlights of this game. One was his absolutely ridiculous dunk on, well, I'm not sure if it was necessarily on anyway. It was just a really yeah. nice, really nice dunk. It was dunk. a really nice tip dunk, yeah. And then the other one was him just getting crumpled by a Draymond Green crossover, which I believe is the first time I can remember Draymond Green ne- making a guy fall over with a dribble move. Yeah, not something that you see that often. But I thought Bertans, other than that, he had a couple of nice plays in rim protection. He's actually much better protecting the rim than you would expect. I think he, he did get pulled after he you know gave up a backdoor to Kevin Durant and you know made a couple of rookie mistakes and, and Pop took him out. But they had their best stretch of the game when he was in there. Uh, and LaMarcus Aldridge continued to struggle. And the thing that's most mystifying about him, Zach Lowe had this stat, but I'd been kind of tracking it as well. He's shooting only 20 percent on long twos in the playoffs and you know like we said him posting up against these great defenders that golden state has the double teams that they're sending their great help defense he's not going to be efficient against this team the way he was at times against houston but like why can't the guy hit a damn pick and pop jumper like especially when he's being guarded by javel mcgee pop went i thought he had a nice move to go to Kyle Anderson just to force McGee to guard Aldridge and I thought that was a positive matchup for Aldridge and Aldridge was able to eat on him early in the third quarter and, and Mike Brown despite JaVale's 16 first half points took JaVale out and he never came back in I thought that was actually a good move I liked I like Mike Brown's aggressiveness so far to go to his good lineups other than you know in game one when they were getting killed in the first half I think that was that was a weird aberration perhaps because of Iguodala's uh, injury and effectiveness but then I mean Aldridge had plenty of other like spot up jumpers and he was just like passing them up or just not hitting them and, and Pau Gasol too he he had some hilarious reactions in this game like when he committed th- that really bad and one on, on David West after he missed a jumper he, he like had these weird gesticulations when he missed a wide open three as well like his jump shot has been off and Patty Mills has been erased from the series by Clay Thompson and when he is open he hasn't been able to hit so but I mean this is not a surprise the Spurs don't have anyone to do anything off the dribble I mean Manu was great John Simmons didn't shoot that well he was only 7 of 17 and didn't get to the foul line 0 4 on threes but he at least provided some juice off the dribble with that ready floater game DeJounte Murray same thing so they had some guys but those guys are just you know not a substitute for Kawhi Leonard or really or Tony Parker and this is even with Parker and Leonard healthy this is a team that doesn't have a ton of juice off the bounce so yeah I mean it looks like we're gonna see 
game five. I mean, if it, because you, when you think about this game, the Warriors started out pretty flat, and the fact you know the Spurs were staying in it, they actually had the lead at the end of the first quarter, and they still lost by double digits. So that that doesn't bode well as long as Kawhi sits out, and I fully expect him to without any more specific knowledge, just because the incentives here are so low. Matt Barnes did get some time early. He was horrible, negative 10 in, in five minutes uh, as the, the Spurs went on their run at the end of the first quarter. Uh, he was really bad in game one, has not looked good at all since returning from that ankle injury, especially with the, the, a smaller team. Pat McCaw has played much better. He was plus nine, another two steals, six points. Uh, he really continues to look very good. And the Spurs team doesn't really have anyone who's going to take advantage of him in the post defensively. And I think, you know, he's a great option guarding ones or twos at this point like his feet are really really quick so i think to the extent they can barnes should just not play i mean he's been so slow he can't stay in front of anybody uh like the the couple possessions he tried to guard Kawhi leonard in game one were just a joke so i think he, he's got to just be relegated to the back of the rotation and and more macaw especially if iguodala only played 19 minutes in this one uh, is going to struggle a bit uh, we might see maybe macaw i think that he probably should play more than ian clark against the Cavs just because there's really nowhere for Ian Clark to hide uh he's just too small and too slow whereas McCaw I think can actually be a positive option guarding someone like Kyrie so that'll be interesting but we're getting into finals preview territory here um but we're not going to have long to preview the finals so we need to get it in there now Oh, man. Um, All right. So we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back talking about the All-NBA teams and Jonathan Isaac right after this word from our friends at Bespoke Post. I don't really enjoy the process of shopping, but I do enjoy the process of buying things that are really going to improve my life. And that's what Bespoke Post is for. Now you don't have to spend a bunch of time window shopping You don't have to spend a ton of time comparing stuff online. Bespoke Post is a subscription club for guys. The boxes are $45 and they revolve around themes like grooming, food, drink, travel, any category a guy would care about. I already got their Weekender bag, which was not something that I really felt like I needed. It's a beautiful classic look just for going on a a quick weekend trip. They sent me this really nice kit for making Moscow mules. They have a beautiful dop kit that's uh, available in one of the packages right now as well and the way it works is on the first of every month you get a box assigned to you then you can go through and click if you want a different one or you can actually skip any box you want with no penalty so you're signed up for this they send you great products things that you're probably not going to come across but are really worthwhile stuff for any guy and then if it's not your thing you can always opt out of it so there's really no risk at all to joining up the way to do that try the post.com slash cap space is the url try the post.com slash cap space that'll get you 20 percent off your first box and that's an excellent value because they promise you at least a $70 value or more in each box that they give you. It only costs $45 before you get, of course, that 20% off using that slash cap space URL. One more time, try the post.com slash cap space, or you could always use just that promo code cap space as well. Any cap space option you want to use there. And you know, you can remember that code because we talk about it all the time in the program. Try the post.com slash cap space. 
So, Danny, the all-NBA teams came out on Thursday. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you're actually getting this on Thursday. We are appending it to Dunked On on Friday. So don't worry, Dunked On listeners, you're not missing out on anything. But Patreon subscribers, you're getting a little something extra. The biggest news that came out of here, Danny, was that Paul George and Gordon Hayward did not make it. And in fact, it was not even particularly close. And I thought that was justified as well. But uh, what are the ramifications of that? The ramifications are a little bit different for the two different guys because Gordon Hayward is a free agent this year so that means he is not eligible if he wants wants to be yeah he could decline his uh, player option yeah so yeah assuming he declines it which he should then he is not eligible for the the supermax this year and that means that the the margins between Utah's offer and everyone else's offer are narrower than they were before Paul George could theoretically get it next year but that means he is not eligible for the designated veteran extension now so that reduces Indiana's flexibility because they can't make him that offer presently and you can't do anything contingent or anything of that sort. So it'll be harder, though they, if they want to keep him, it's a more risky game. Yeah, let's run through just what the teams were. James Harden was a unanimous vote for the first team at guard. Russell Westbrook got 99 out of a pot possible 100 first team votes so did lebron james Kawhi leonard got 96 out of a possible 100 first team votes and then interestingly anthony davis uh received 45 out of 100 first team votes but was classified as a center and the way it works is whichever position he has voted on it on more ballots that's the position that he's at but then you get all of your first place votes no matter what position they were voted at so it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of those uh well actually probably every single one of those first team votes you'd have to imagine was for him at center uh because it's hard to see how he would have exceeded lebron james or Kawhi Leonard at forward uh yeah davis got 45 first team votes 34 second team and 16 third team uh and that put him just ahead of rudy gobert beating him out by only four points gobert had 43 first team votes to davis's 45 but I don't have a problem with that I think Anthony Davis is probably better than Rudy Gobert and just a shame for Davis that he got voted onto an all-NBA team at center this year when he really didn't play substantially that much more than he did last year uh, and didn't even really play center substantially that much more than he did last year in the end but now I think people were just more comfortable with him at center but now it's too late for him to get that extra uh, 25 million bucks that he would have gotten it is a shame for him and it you know it'll it'll eventually it won't eventually work out for him but hopefully it leads to a better structure and overall i would say i'm happier with these results second team as you mentioned gobert the guards are steph curry and isaiah thomas and then the second team forwards are Giannis and kevin durant very interesting steph curry got 93 uh second team votes but isaiah actually got 71 second team votes john wall only 19 uh, so it seemed pretty clear i didn't think that it was like that obvious between uh, Thomas and John Wall uh, that Thomas had a better season but you know with the clutch stuff I understand why they decided to go in that direction uh, and then w- did we say who the Fords and, and uh, center were yeah I went through I went through the whole second team so Giannis Durant and, and Rudy yeah sorry I, w- I was trying to calculate up what the numbers were as you were talking um, yeah so again it seemed pretty clear Giannis 81 second team votes Kevin Durant 66 uh, and their competition on the third team Draymond Green and Jimmy Butler got 21 and 19 second team votes respectively so it seemed pretty clear that Giannis and KD 
were the guys that the, the voters really had focused in on. I, I thought Butler had a decent argument to maybe be ahead of, of Giannis by the end of the year, but uh, certainly understand why. Uh, you know, I think Giannis and Katie are probably better than uh, than Butler and Draymond, obviously. So no real problems, to be honest, uh, with the first and second teams for me. My biggest point of contention is more on the third team, but it affects the whole second and third, which is that I feel voters went way too far in terms of players that were in a lot of games. I thought that the guys who missed time were unfairly hurt by it, except for Durant. Kyle Lowry didn't get a single vote. I think Lowry was was had a wonderful season. He missed time. Chris Paul is completely ludicrous. Chris Paul was our, the third or fourth best guard in the in the NBA this year. And for him to not make it just because he missed time, I think I personally think that's unfair. And it's a personal thing. I mean, there 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 is no clear rubric that I've ever seen for what all NBA is, but I, I go more to more outstanding than more valuable yeah the only difference in, in the first and second teams with what i had was i had jimmy butler actually ahead of Giannis for second team all nba at, uh, when we did our awards over a month ago now not that anything should have changed between now and then of course uh and then third team i had chris paul really should have been on there to me uh, over demar derozan like that's just a travesty that derozan made it over chris paul i would also have had damian lillard well ahead of DeRozan I even probably would have had Clay Thompson ahead of DeRozan as well uh just due to Thompson's defense and the effect that his spacing has I mean it's DeRozan looks so much better by his box score stats whereas Clay Thompson I think especially when you consider his defensive box score stats as well and the effect that those have on his RPM looks so much worse by his box score stats because you know Clay Thompson you just cannot leave him for a single second whereas DeMar DeRozan if he doesn't have the ball in his hands you can help off of him plenty and then obviously Thompson is so much better defensively it's ridiculous so I thought DeRozan shouldn't have been anywhere near these teams uh that was the one issue that I had uh with that third team which again we'll say oh, I didn't Draymond, I don't think but, that's you know. your only issue with the third team well I, I said the biggest issue isn't that what I said oh I thought you said only okay uh, maybe I misspoke but uh Green and Butler at forward, John Wall and DeRozan at guard, and uh, DeAndre Jordan was the center. And, and interestingly, third team center was probably the most contentious spot on the ballot. Jordan uh, had 18 votes for the third team, but uh, I think lucked out with three for first team and uh, seven for second team. So he had 54 total points. Carl Towns was a mere four points behind him with 50. Then Marcus Gasol had 48. DeMarcus Cousins had 42 two points uh we don't get to see exactly uh oh yeah carl towns had two first team votes uh marcus soul had zero first team votes and demarcus cousins had two f- first team votes so very uh, Gasol, had, Gasol had two he had two first team votes it was just a poorly formatted document oh yeah oh it's on the next line i see there okay gotcha yeah so really it, like the competition between those guys was inc- incredibly close and uh someone even voted nikola Jokic as the first team center although he only had 12 votes uh overall congratulations Congratulations to Autumn Morris for getting a vote. But, but I think what, what I think is the most important in some ways takeaway for me is that none of the snubs are being hurt by it in terms of money. This is not what it was last year because I don't think that Paul George or Gordon Hayward deserved, they weren't among the six best forwards in the league. Yeah. So they George, were hurt by George not making 40, it, but I don't 20. think they deserved it. So yeah, sorry, George, 40 points, Hayward, 27 points. So well below Green, who had 134 points and Butler at 102 on that 
third team forward position. Right. So I, I, I'm fine with that as an overall result. I am as aggrieved with DeRozan making it over the other guys as you actually more so because I had Chris Paul second team. But that's, you know, in terms of levels of frustration, it's it's lower than last year, which is nice. So now we get to the implications uh, and we've talked about these before, but it's good to reiterate some of these. Uh, Gordon Hayward, had he made all NBA, could have opted in for next year, but received the designated player extension. The thing is that you can't have the extension kick in until you have eight years of experience. He currently only has seven, but if he opts in for next year, then at the end of next year, he's got the eight years of experience. He could have tacked on that five-year over $200 million extension after last year, probably would have then wanted to opt in, even though he's only making $16 million for next year. Uh, that didn't happen. So now Hayward almost certainly going to opt out. He could, in theory, just opt in for next year. But even if you're going to do that, you might as well just take a one plus one, get up to the max this year, and then try to uh, get the designated qualify with all NBA next year. But I mean, I don't think his odds are really that great of making all NBA next year. So uh, with just the incredible depth there is at the forward position right now, like KD, LeBron James, Kawhi, Draymond, Giannis, like those dudes aren't going anywhere. You know, maybe he could hope to eke out and that's seven guys right there. Uh, and then AD could maybe be considered a forward next year as well. He's playing next well, to Cousins. And remember, like, yeah. Durant made a team despite being hurt this year. So he, right. has to even, he has to even get past that sort of a thing. Right. And I mean, Golden State, Spurs, Cleveland like those teams are all going to be good next year too so it's not like they're going to be hurt in that space George could bump up ahead of him again I mean I would say his chances of making all NBA next year are like well below 20 percent uh so it doesn't really make a ton of sense I think you got to get the money while the getting's good after you've had the best seasons of your career as a free agent George now ineligible to receive that designated player veteran extension a regular extension won't be enough they could only offer him 20 percent on top of his salary for next year which is not very much they could actually try to renegotiate and extend him using their cap space but that would mean uh, that their flexibility would be highly limited this year they might be able not be able to afford to re-sign Jeff Teague as well if they were to do that so that's uh certainly an issue and, and again he can only get you know the 30 percent max at, at this point not the 35 percent he could however if they just stays on the Pacers because remember once you get traded uh after the last after the first four years of your contract you're ineligible for that designated veteran extension with another team uh but he could hope to just stay with the pacers the pacers could hope that he makes an all-nba team next year and then would be eligible but again i mean he's facing the same issues you know i would put his odds at making an all-nba team next year below 50 percent uh especially because the Pacers might not be that good next year. They don't have a ton of ways to improve. We talked about that uh, on the Pacers offseason preview. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think either of those guys deserve to make it. This isn't some huge injustice. But again, it casts light on how ridiculous the system is where the media is trying to decide how much you can pay a guy instead of just the team being having the option of just paying him whatever max they want to pay him, uh, which would be 35%, which actually would also correlate more with when guys are good in their career, making the 35% max only available to guys uh, who qualify for this you know after their eighth year or for other players who don't qualify after their 10th year makes no sense at all to me but you know that's uh that's how they've decided to do it and uh it at least gives us something to talk about i agree with you on the uniform max i think that's a way to fix the problem but there are two other designated veteran things that we need to discuss that are a little bit more under the radar just because they're not as pressing but they both could be relevant so one is as a formality Kawhi leonard is now eligible for it 
regardless of what happens next season because he's gotten it in two of three years. And that will be an interesting question. We've talked about how 2018 is the year for the Spurs to spend their money. And of course, that won't affect it because they'll still be under contract. It would come in after. And then the other guy is John Wall. John Wall signed his extension back in 2013, but it was a full five-year one. So he could theoretically sign a designated veteran extension this summer that would kick in two years from now, two seasons from now, and then extend another four years. And that actually might make some sense for the Wizards just because you're not committing as much on the downside. And for Wall, you're locking that in without risk. Yeah, at least you're only going in four years. It still could be a very uh, ugly contract by the end. He would be making 44 million dollars as a a 32 year old but at least you you keep him happy there and and by the way if you listen to yesterday's wizards preview i fixed this but i had forgotten that wall actually does have enough experience to get that uh, extension so if you heard that yesterday we are correcting that error now i apologize for that um another interesting one clay thompson had he made an all nba team this year would have been eligible next year now he will not be and unless he makes all nba next year which again i would say is probably less likely so that will mean that he will have to actually become a free agent they won't be able to pay him enough in an extension and probably actually saves the warriors because i don't know if they would have been interested as interested in paying him a five-year designated veteran max after next year and you got to pay curry and you got to pay durant and then you'd have to pay Draymond green again like that that might even yeah it also avoids a really awkward circumstance which they they, they'll have another awkward circumstance on top of it because since durant is ineligible for the designated veteran and curry is definitely going to get it then you have to theoretically they would have to choose between thompson and green thompson coming a free agent a year before that could be a little bit awkward if thompson doesn't qualify then they still might have an awkward situation if they don't want to pay green that full amount but at least then they don't have to choose between the two yeah the either of those contracts again for those guys i think would end up being a really bad deal but at least you know do you think the Warriors would be in contention so it's worth keeping everyone together on the early end of that and then you just bite the bullet at the end anything else we need to say about uh, these all nba teams no I, I i'm very excited to see where like who from the group below other than the injury related guys like chris paul jumps in i think carl anthony towns has a wonderful shot at it and the forward spots are going to be brutal but the guard spots are too i mean we'll see what kind of competitive teams these these guys are on but we could see a pretty stable all nba group next year after we had a lot of new additions this year yeah it'll be interesting actually that's a a good question of who do you think is the most likely to drop out of this group for next year i would say isaiah would be one i would say DeRozan would be another deandre 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 i mean although like those of course those guys are probably like uh, uh DeRozan and deandre are the three that we think are the most overrated uh you know i could see maybe draymond dropping out just because like you know he he doesn't win defensive player of the year next year because everyone's just he won it this year and he just doesn't have as much attention on him like even it, and I think he, he is going to start dropping off a little bit uh, at some point here, too. I mean, uh, just as an undersized guy getting into his late 20s. That didn't happen this year, but it might happen next year. Um yeah, who do you think is the most likely you didn't make it this year to make it next year? Chris Paul. I had him as the fifth best player in the NBA, in the league, so Chris Paul. Yeah, but I mean, he always misses time. Is, is that's where my concern is? Well, and he also might be on a worse team. Yeah, yeah, that's that a good point too. I think Carl Towns uh, probably. I mean, Carl Towns is just gonna if he stays healthy, 
and he hasn't had even the slightest injury in his career yet. Uh, Joel Embiid might be another one. Uh, but of can, course, can, wait, can we have a quick, a well. quick open question about? I want to see who who voted for Demarcus Cousins' first team center. We don't know. Yet. We we don't find out until uh, the actual uh, June twenty sixth awards. I really hope it's not people I know. Just like I hope it's not somebody that I know for the person who voted LeBron second team. Just because I'm just going to give him crap. Yeah, Jokic got a first a first team All NBA vote too. So now I want to get into Florida State's Jonathan Isaac, an intriguing wing prospect. Isaac has been compared to Kevin Durant in some respects just because he's a skinny guy who can shoot and has a pretty long reach. He's nowhere near in that class of a prospect, uh, both in terms of his measurements and his shooting abilities. Uh, got a 7-1 wingspan, Durant is 7-5, and uh, a 9-0 standing reach. But Danny, for what he is, I think that those are pretty good measurements, and it, I gotta say, I was impressed by a lot of aspects of him as a prospect. So we saw Isaac back at the Hoop Summit in 2016, so a year ago. And what impressed me then and still does is that we just, the only other guy we've talked about is Jason Tatum. And I feel like with Jason Tatum, a lot of what he does well is not necessarily applicable at the NBA level, or at least not valuable. With Isaac, I see how it could work. And that's always encouraging. Yeah, it is. He's not the isolation scorer that Tatum is. But I got to say, actually, I like him better than Tatum for the NBA. I think that his... I mean, I guess it's probably just the way to do it is to start by describing his game. He is a solid shooter. I wouldn't say an unbelievable shooter, uh, but has good form, pretty quick release. He'll catch it on the hop and he can get it off pretty quickly. At Florida State, he had a, a little bit of an interesting role. They had a very egalitarian system. They played 12 deep a lot of times, so he didn't play nearly as many minutes. And most of his possessions came from spot up. So he didn't have as much chance to spread his wings as an individual scorer. And I think that a lot of that has work. I wouldn't predict it needs work. I, I wouldn't predict that he's going to be a tremendous isolation scorer. But I like the idea that he can be good to very good in a lot of different aspects someone who really is going to fit well in the modern nba i see him as a pretty good shooter not going to be maybe a 40 percent guy from three but someone who could make like 36 to 38 percent in time like his stroke is very easy it's projectable uh i think he's going to have no problem in time adapting to the nba three gets his legs into his shot shot only 35 percent on threes at florida state but that's not damning to me at all and he was taking some some difficult attempts so there's that aspect i think he's going to be a solid shooter well on those on that note andrew johnson of nylon calculus is doing projections he he released those over the last couple days and his projections for jonathan isaac are 35 percent from three and 79 percent from the line and i think he can improve from that point but if that's kind of a a, an understanding of maybe an optimistic place to start i'm good with that yeah and those projections consider both free throw percentage college three-point percentage but also which i think is a very underrated aspect his volume and i think he's gonna have a higher volume than some of the guys that we're looking at like a josh jackson or tatum he is still rail thin uh, and turns 20 in october so he's not you know he's probably almost a year older than brandon ingram you know who had a somewhat similar body type was 
But what I really like about him is I think that he can be a combo forward in a lot of units at the next level. He's probably going to struggle to guard real strong post-up fours, but how many of those are really left there? And I was really impressed by just how hard he competes defensively and on the boards. He really likes to use his body. Like the rare times that they posted him up, he actually like uses his body well. He boxes out uh, very hard. So even though he's thin, he uses his abilities as best he can. And as he gets stronger, that's only going to improve and then the way he reacts to the ball on rebounding is really very impressive considering the stretch role that he had uh 7.7 offensive rebounds was is actually pretty good and then his defensive rebounding really outstanding he played mostly at the four but uh 25 defensive rebounds which is quite excellent and then he also uh had a 6.8 percent uh two-point block rate and a reasonable steal rate as well so that was pretty impressive i, I thought that I think he can block some shots in time that he can defensive rebound well enough uh, as a four and then also I think that his ability on the perimeter can get to be pretty good I mean he's never going to be amazing but you know if he's in an isolation he can actually get down like Florida State played like a, a pressure system he was comfortable getting down deep into a stance guarding out on the floor even at the four so I think he can be a switch guy he's not necessarily going to be like chasing guys over screen like a lockdown type of guy but I I really like him as a combo forward you know maybe a guy who could start at the three and then move to the four you know when you're in your closing lineup uh play a lot of four play some four and bench units uh and because that's just the effort and the floor game were things that I really appreciated about him that I wasn't expecting to see given his body type I expected he would be a poor rebounder and that really just is not the case at all he rebounds out of his area he gets his hands on balls with his long reach he's able to bring it in uh you know if he's standing at the dotted line on a defensive rebound and and it goes off the rim he explodes towards the ball and grabs it Uh, very impressed with his ability to pursue the ball off the glass he and tatum are both players that i've thought of as as potentially defending both forward positions that might eventually slide to the three not out of that being their better position both are just like every other guy they're better offensively as, as power forwards but isaac intrigues me because i think that can kind of work to a point to his advantage as you said his isolation defense it makes me a little bit a little bit queasy in that stage but if it's more of like a more of a, a kind of a spot thing like he does it for specific moments I'm far more okay with it and what did you think of him as like a, a potentially a weak side shot blocker because that was something more in the workout phase last year that intrigued me about him yeah I think it, you know that block percentage is good on ball like in the post he really wasn't as effective because he kind of get knocked backwards a little bit and wasn't able to affect the jump hooks of like some traditional fours that he had to guard but yeah I thought coming over he's got quick feet I thought he showed like pretty good basketball IQ in the games that I watched um, as far as communicating defensively rotating over so yeah I mean I don't think he's gonna be like just erasing shots at the rim but I think he can affect uh, people there Uh, we haven't talked much yet about his offense only 20% usage you know and again they had a lot of guys on this team uh, who took shots and most of what he was doing was spotting up so you really have to look at snippets to see if he can do stuff beyond that but what I I feel very confident that he can do is be effective driving on closeouts he has a really nice first step really nice jab step game and unlike maybe someone like Tatum who also has great footwork he really covers some ground once he gets the guy off balance like either with a first step that's kind of to the side but he's so fast uh that he can blow by guys or he can if the guy cuts him off he can do like a quick behind the back and, and pull up which 
which you know I didn't make that many of but he's got a, a skill level in that area to take one dribble and pull up or two dribbles and, and pull up change direction but I thought his ability to get to the rim off of closeouts which he's going to be facing a lot of obviously a, a, as a decent shooter it was impressive did not see a ton of passing ability on those plays you know there wasn't many in terms of drive and kick he only had 35 assists all year uh and his finishing at the rim is a mixed bag uh he is pretty explosive above average i would say as a leaper off of two feet doesn't really ever finish with one hand i think he might just have small hands and have difficulty gripping the ball you won't really see like one-handed dunks from him unless it's a tip dunk um and then off of one foot he does have trouble exploding he'll be kind of off balance which is surprising usually guys with his body type will be better one foot jumpers than two foot jumpers that's not the case for him Uh, but he let's say if he's driving to the basket and he's got someone on his hip he does have difficulty exploding once he has someone on his hip to really finish hopefully as he gets stronger that's something that he can improve on Uh, but again I thought his ability to get into the lane off of closeouts was pretty good it's just that so I am pretty confident that he can be a guy who you know kind of like maybe like a little bit sweeter shooting longer auto porter you know someone like that I was I see I mean that's not his floor obviously because guys can get injured or just never develop or whatever but but I see that as someone who's at least average on both ends of the floor and can shoot uh and with a bit more ability to play as a small ball for than someone like Porter. the NBA also needs low usage guys you know obviously there are guys that can that handle the ball or have have a large role in their offense in college and then scale it down that can work well there are lots of guys that have done that but you need players that can fit in the other spots and are okay with that and yeah. he's a really good cutter too by the way actually yeah. he, he's he, he and he changes direction very quickly so he can be popping out and then immediately cut hard back door and and get open and he was uh, outstanding finishing uh, on cut so that was a, a, another part of that kind of complimentary game that we might see from him and it also ties in with something that was unusual but intriguing about his time at Florida State, which was how egalitarian their approach was, not only in yeah. terms of minutes, but in terms of shots and distribution. Yeah. So uh, as a result of that, we didn't see him do much in terms of pick and roll, but there are flashes there. If Mike uh, Mike Schmitz hasn't come out with his video yet, but I'm I'm guessing he will have a section in the strengths called like pick and roll flashes, where he is comfortable shooting off the dribble if the defense goes either over or under the screen didn't make that many of those but again that you know that's a small sample it's harder to shoot off the dribble he had a couple of really awesome plays where he just split the pick and roll most of his pick and rolls were off a of drag screen situations in transition he's definitely comfortable bringing bringing the ball up as a grab and go guy uh so we saw some of that they didn't really run much pick and roll for him in just a static half court situation really again in the post like he's got i think he's got a nice turnaround going either direction didn't ever see much jump hook game again it's you don't see him get like any extension with one hand on any, any of these finishes which is a concern for me as far as like eventually being able to finish uh, and and be really more of a, a primary guy you know I don't ever see him as a number one option maybe he could get to a number two because he does ha- have a nice handle in, in ISO he wasn't really blowing by guys uh it doesn't have a ton of advanced moves you know he, he got has this this crossover that's pretty quick he has like a quick behind the back as well but he got that ripped up a couple of times uh, you know it wasn't really that effective in isolation but again you know not something that he was asked to do a ton of so creating his own offense not really that great i liked what i saw from him as a passer florida state for whatever reason faced a lot of zone and so he actually would throw some pretty nice entry passes like lobs over the top to post players just from a standstill 
Mitchell didn't really see any passing from him on the move that much but he operated mostly as a play finisher so again wasn't asked to do that as much so there's a question to me of you know how far can he evolve as an individual offensive player creating offense for himself and others but I do I like his intensity I think the fact that he's got this nice turnaround the fact that he's willing to work hard for position against switches I think he can at least be an option in the post in time against guys like that so I I see him as someone who has a pretty high floor uh, because I think he'll he can always be effective as a role player a decent two-way guy uh, who can play the three and the four probably more the four even in the modern NBA hold up well enough on the boards get out in transition make cuts hit shots uh, defend the rim well defensively you know probably he probably offers more shot blocking than your typical NBA four does at this point in time so uh, all that is good and it's just a question of you know I think he does have some upside he's got to get stronger has to get more explosive got to get some more moves refine his shot like there's a long way to go in terms of actually being a creator but I I just like the way he fits into the modern NBA much more than someone like Tatum so a place that I've been drooling over the fit for a little while now is the idea of him playing next to Towns in Minnesota I just think that's projected right now by Draft Express it is I I just think that fit is wonderful because he can he can grow into it and they have they actually have some kind of wiggle room on the wing just because they're figuring out what they have guys like Bielitsa and everything else and so you make it work with him and then it you know if he's if he ends up being more of a three then you can go in some different directions and I just think that would be a wonderful a wonderful place for him but he might go higher than that yeah I uh, the other thing too I didn't see much of from him was you know coming off of screens he only had two possessions coming off of screens for jumpers all year as well I think that's he can get to have the footwork to do that in time potentially certainly from two-point range I don't know about from three-point range necessarily um and he's got to really work on like his euro step game too you know we didn't see much of that from him you'll see hints of it every once in a while but again because he doesn't have as much one foot explosiveness uh and doesn't get that much extension on his finishes there's a, a little bit less in that that maybe you'll see from some other guys with his type of length so i'm still i still don't know whether he can develop the finishing around the rim uh and the individual offensive game but i think he can just be you know minnesota i really i agree with you i think that fit it could be pretty solid there you know i don't know if he's like a tibbs type of guy but i mean i don't know anything about him personally but i just i was impressed by how hard he competed and i think part of the fact that he was at florida state he had to be competing for minutes that he wasn't playing that many minutes he was allowed to play hard and taught how to play hard in that setting I think was good the other fit that I really like for him I I talked about this a little bit actually with Sam Vecini on Real Jam Radio we released that on Friday is the idea of Denver traded up and was able to get him maybe in something involving Orlando because they could just give him one of their million shooting guards go in that direction and and get up there but again next to Jokic I think that could work reasonably well and again they're, they're another team that doesn't need a lot of usage compared to all the other guys they have so they somebody who can play off ball who can be active and then defend and Isaac can do that certainly yeah so just to sum up here the things that impressed me the most about him solid shooting ability first step the amount of ground that he covers with his first step and with his his jab step one way go the other way I think he also when he was effective in pick and roll I thought he was best rejecting the screen because he was able to just straight line it and explode past his guy uh just solid defensively out on the floor not amazing but for a freshman not bad and uh 
you know, the shot blocking, the length, like all just the lack of huge weaknesses, I think, at least if you're going to try and project him out, is what I like about him. All right, I think that'll do it for tonight's show. Thanks so much for watching. Hopefully, we'll have a little bit more competition here going forward. But even if we don't, stick with us for more offseason previews, more draft coverage as well. I'm getting into that now, getting pretty fired up. We'll probably check out Josh Jackson next. I've been enjoying comparing and contrasting some of these wing guys at the top of the draft also uh, don't forget about our patreon patreon subscribers of course got that all nba reaction a couple of days early and we did a an exclusive mailbag pod with questions by patreon subscribers and obviously for patreon subscribers as well so uh, please if you haven't subscribed to that yet we ask you to do both to support this and the twitter nba show which is free and uh all right i think that's it we'll talk to you all next time at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.